Well, this morning we're going to open up to Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. One verse. Four words in the English Standard Translation. Um, pretty simple and straightforward, and we're going to... Uh, we're going to dive into that this morning. And first, I'd like to uh, ask the Lord just to lead us into truth this morning. Father, as we come together around Your Word, we ask that Your Spirit would teach us, that You would teach us who You are, that we might trust You more and love You more. Lord, I ask that you would help each one of us in our hearts to, to understand your word in a way that directs our steps and helps us to grow in likeness to Christ. That we would love our neighbor in a way that pleases you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to have you speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we actually read our verse for today, I'd like us to uh, journey back towards the beginnings, the book of beginnings, Genesis, chapter 1, verse 26. So if you want to turn there with me. Genesis 1, 26. So on the last day that God created, this is what happened. Verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image, In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, God made man and woman in His likeness. Which means that mankind upon the face of this earth is the image and glory of God to the rest of the created world. Imagine that. We don't feel so glorified often or so deserving of that. But nonetheless, God has created us in a, in a likeness to Him in a way where as we move about this earth before one another and before all creation, we inform the rest of creation something about the glory of God. Because we've been created in His image You know, this is one of the beautiful things about being a parent is that there are personality likenesses, there are preference likenesses, there are appearance likenesses that get passed on to our children. That our children kind of, uh, they learn from us, some of them are inherited from us, um, and our, our kids take these through life and display a type of likeness to their parents. And in a much greater way, God gave us a stamped upon us an image, an image that reflects our Creator. 
flip over with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. God created man and woman in His image and had perfect fellowship with them. And He loved them. And things quickly went bad. Genesis 2.24 Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were unashamed. In other words, there was no guilt before God. No reason to feel ashamed. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden." Adam and Eve, they disobeyed really the one command that God had given them that was meant for their protection. And they rebelled against God, believing the lie of the enemy that said, God's withholding something good from you. He doesn't want you to share in this thing. And so they rebelled against God, and at that moment... Sin entered the hearts of Adam and Eve, and so did shame and guilt and fear. Note that when the Lord's presence was known to them, they attempted to hide themselves from the presence of God because of their shame and their fear before Him. And so it is with sin. Sin cultivates shame and fear and anger. And as we continue on, Adam and Eve had children. So let's turn to chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time... Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regarded for Abel, uh, had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. 
The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know, and and, and am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain and Abel brought a sacrifice to the Lord. And as we read uh, in Hebrews that, that Abel gave his sacrifice in faith as opposed to Cain's and therefore was accepted by God. Cain was angry about that, jealous, in fact, of the Lord accepting Abel's sacrifice so much so that he stewed on it. And the Lord confronted him and warned him about this and directed him in how to deal with that anger. But Cain continued to stew on it and acted out on it and killed his brother Abel. This is all happening at the very beginning of mankind's walk upon the earth. That, so far as we know, there are only four people spoken of at this point on the face of the earth. Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel. And in all the territory they had to wander, there was not room enough for four of them to get along. And Cain murdered his brother. Sin sows some pretty disastrous things in our hearts and minds. And when they go unchecked and unconfronted and unrepented, they produce some pretty horrible outcomes. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. As we read one more of the commands today here found in Exodus chapter 20, a simple and straightforward one. And we're going to talk a little bit about... um, um, we'll go into uh, what what is meant here and um, also look at, we recall that the Ten Commandments are like, um, the picture I gave you was uh, to imagine runway lights marking the edge of the runway. The runway being God's blessing and those lights marking the out of bounds, steer, the steer clear of here. And... Um, And those Ten Commandments give us those runway markers to show us wherein lies the blessing of God. And so we're going to talk about where this this particular marker is directing us. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. You shall not murder. Now when we look at it in the original language, it means don't murder. A murder... Here is to be considered um, the the taking of one's life um, out of out of uh, really a self 
selfish pursuit. It could be anger, it could be jealousy, it could be vengeance. Um, a number of things that might compel one human to take the life of another. This is not um, in, nuanced in any way. And in fact, as, you, as we put the scriptures together, because uh, that's really important that we, we interpret scripture in light of the rest of scripture. So one of the things that is clear is this command is not addressing things like capital punishment as might be implemented through um, a, a government law, um, a warfare. Um, but this does speak directly to one human taking the life of another human or a you know, group of people taking the life by, by force for some reason that is self-driven, not permitted by God. Now, Scripture speaks of this as happening in several ways, actually. One is that outright violent act of premeditated or just impulsive responding to take the life of another. Um, I think we clearly understand that that that's being spoken of here. But there are um, a few others that I want to touch upon here. Exodus chapter 21, verse 29, if you flip over there with me. Uh, We'll actually, let's look at verse, we'll start in verse 28. When an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be stoned and its flesh flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall not be liable. But if the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, and its owner has been warned, but has not kept it in, and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner also shall be put to death. Now what what we're getting into here with this is we're getting into a, a civil law, an implementation of the Ten Commandments within the society of the Jewish people. In other words, what it will look like for them to live out with live within the boundaries of the Ten Commandments. So you can imagine um, that within as as those Ten Commandments are being implemented to be living those out, that there are going to be questions that arise, um, especially for those who are not committed to walking in God's ways. Scripture says, actually, that if we pursue the two greatest commands, loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself, which are commanded even very on here in Exodus and Genesis and all throughout, we see those things already coming to light. But if we were to live by those two commands, we would abide within the boundary of the law. But it's when we don't have that as our aim that it's necessary then to start getting into the details of, okay, well, here's where what it means to overstep that boundary. Here's what it looks like between in your relationship between you and your neighbor, or you and your, your co-worker, or whatever. And so this is one of those. And what is laid out here is that if a, if a person has an animal that gores somebody, um, that... The animals to be put to death, the person is not going to be held liable unless it's known that this animal has an issue, right? Of a habit of this kind of behavior, and that this animal is a threat, is a danger. 
Then if the animal gores somebody, the owner is held guilty of that person's life, the taking of that person's life. Now we recognize that there's a distinction between um, this person's negligence and someone who is committing premeditated murder. We recognize there is a difference there. However, both of those lie within the command of do not murder. One, through a proactive taking of life. The other, through negligence. Turn to Exodus, well, we're already there. 22, or 21, verses 22. So we certainly cover the murder as we think of it, but also negligent manslaughter. And here's a third one that I want you to see. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her child uh, come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and if he shall pay as the judge judges determine. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Now you've heard an eye for an eye, correct? Do you realize that here it's being spoke of as it relates to the taking of an unborn life? And here, again, through um, someone attacking a pregnant woman and the child being harmed or killed, that the person who uh, inflicted that harm, who, who committed that assault, would be held guilty of whatever happens to that unborn child. Now, if in your mind you are thinking about the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of children in our nation and in many others whose lives have been taken while they lie helpless and vulnerable within the womb of their mother, you are right to be thinking about that. murder, negligent manslaughter, killing of unborn children. And the fourth thing is here in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 1 through 3. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel who gives any of his children to Moloch shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given one of his children to Moloch to make my sanctuary unclean, to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do at all close their eyes, so that man, so that man, when he gives one of his children to Moloch and do, and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from, from among their people, him and all who follow him 
in whoring after Moloch. What is being addressed here is the idea of child sacrifice. The taking of the life of one's own children. Here in this context, it's being addressed as an offering to a false god, but the taking of a child's life, as we go, as we kind of connect this with the other scriptures that lie uh, within God's word, it becomes very clear that the taking of the life of a child, whether it be by sacrifice or or murder or negligence. Um, would all lie within the scope of what it means to murder in the eyes of God. Now, there is a particular reason that I mentioned these last two that have to do with the unborn and with children. And that is because the Lord gives a special eye to the most vulnerable within society. And we'll double back to that But before we do, I want to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Because in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus actually mentions this command. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. And Jesus uh, not only mentions this command, but actually explains it. Now here we have, remember the, the, uh, the Gospels tell us that when Jesus taught anything in the synagogue, the people were amazed because it says he taught as one who had authority. Now, what what it's saying is he taught as one who had authority compared to those who had authority to teach. So so Jesus kind of made it... The way he taught was as one whom these words belong to because they are his words. And so as Jesus now talks about this command to do not murder, we're hearing directly from Him what this means. Not just from a a smart rabbi or a skilled teacher, but we're hearing from the Lord Himself who told His people, do not murder. Alright, so let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus makes this command come to life in a deeper way. See, in, at this time, the, the Jews in general had a way of, of kind of having the law be a sort of uh, list of things to abide by that they could check off. In other words, if I've not taken the life of another human being, I can cross off, I have not murdered But what Jesus says here is that if you have held anger in your heart against your brother, against your neighbor, if if you have had uh, insults towards your brother, 
that it has the same heart attached to it of guilt before God that is spoken of in Exodus, do not murder. Now, I will grant you, and I think we all can agree, there are different consequences to uh, between me having anger in my heart towards you and me murdering you. Those, are, those have different uh, outcomes in terms of how we relate to one another and what, it's gonna, what my life is going to look like uh, among mankind. However, in the eyes of God, as we stand before God, we are not going to, what Jesus is saying is we are not going to be able to say, God, you know, I didn't take the life of another human being out of anger or anything like that. Aren't I a good fella? Because Jesus, our Lord, is going to say, you know, have you taken a look in the mirror to look at the anger that you've harbored against so-and-so? Against so-and-so? That judgment that happens within us, which is what that anger is, that pronouncing of judgment that this person's guilty and should pay. I once had a mentor share with me, he said, you know, the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. He, he said, uh, I have known very few Christians that knew how to live that out. Um, and that wasn't a remark of judgment on his part, but just the reality that we find it difficult as human beings to have anger without having that aspect of pronouncing judgment that you are guilty and you must pay. Now, we might not follow through with it, but before God, we may stand guilty of that. Now, the solution that Jesus here says then is, if you continue to read on there, is to reconcile with your brother, with your sister. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, now that we understand that before God, murder is not only the taking of the physical life, but also the harboring of that anger and judgment within our own heart against our fellow man. Look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. Revelation being um, a revelation of things that are to come, including the judgment of God. Revelation 21, verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Murderers here are listed as among those who are going to bear the consequences of God's wrath. Now there is a way of escape from God's wrath, which we will talk about in a moment. But first, murder is first and foremost a sin against Yahweh Himself. One, because it's a violent assault against His image, His likeness. Now we, as human beings, um, one of the things that we might see done among our fellow man is uh, a burning or a destruction of a likeness of someone. Right, a, a, a whether it be um, like a, a stuffed person, you know, um, or whether it be a flag, something that is to to represent another person or a body of people, 
and that thing is destroyed. The intent is that it is a, a harming a likeness of something is, is essentially say, pronouncing a judgment that we want to destroy this person, the, these people. When we commit murder, whether it be in our heart or whether it be with our hands, before God, we are assaulting the very image of God. Because we have been created in His likeness. Me, you, every one of us. Including the unborn. The second reason that it is such a sin against the Lord is because it's a violent assault on the people whom He loves and created. So, one way to think of this is imagine that your loved one, your child, um, your, uh, your parent has, has had their life taken by another human being. The type of loss you feel, the type of sorrow and grief you have, and, and even the anger that, w- that it would be awful hard to control over that, apart from the grace of God. And we get a little glimpse of what it means to take the life of those whom God created and loved so much that He sent His Son to give His life on the cross for them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 gives us direction for what we are to do when we you know, as we saw with Cain, Cain, the murder happened really in Cain's heart before it happened physically. And this is what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 5. And the solution isn't to stuff it and try to control it, it is to be reconciled to God. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, and I. I Recognize that as we inter- interact with this command, I recognize, or at least I, I trust, that, um, that as we stand here, at least the law has not found any of us guilty of murder. So, but before God, we may well stand guilty of it in our heart. And so it is important for us, I think, to all look at these things and handle them with gravity before the Lord and evaluate ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to pay for the sins of all of humanity. That included liars, thieves, murderers, adulterers, uh, those who are disobedient to parents as we looked at last week, those who have rebelled against God in a variety of ways, which represents every single one of us here today. And God's call to us is to come to the cross and be reconciled to Him, which means to be made right And the only way we can be made right is through what Christ did on the cross when He took the full payment of 
God's wrath against your sin and against my sin upon Himself and paid for it there. And we come to Him and say, Lord, I want Your forgiveness. I want to follow You. I want, to, I want You to teach me a new way to walk in Your steps, to love as You love. Between the bounds, if we were to look at the Ten Commandments, between the bounds of do not murder lies something really wonderful. I want to take a real quick look at what that is. Because do not murder is our runway marker. That's where it says, you step over this, and like Cain, Cain was exiled. Cain Cain had to live the rest of his life wandering, away from what he knew to be home, away from those whom he knew to be family, and in fear of his own life. But what lies between those markers? Leviticus 19. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17 says, You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So within the bounds of do not murder, lie, love your neighbor. Let's look at the second one. Love one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So within the bounds of do not murder, let love be genuine and love one another. Matthew chapter 23. Serve one another. Matthew 23 verse 11. Jesus says to His disciples, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Within the bounds of do not murder lie humbling ourselves and serving one another. Love your enemies. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48 says, You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For He makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Love your enemies. Romans chapter 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Jesus' way is a different way. The next one, do good. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So when we love our neighbor as ourself, 
we're going to be compelled to do the latter part of this verse rather than the former. If we're not, if we're not operating out of a love for the Lord and a love for others, we're going to be compelled to seek the first part of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where we repay evil for evil in some way, whether it be in our heart or whether it be with our actions and words. But the Lord calls us to, within the bounds of murder, to seek to do good to one another. And the last one here is to protect and love the vulnerable. Uh, I'm going to ask you to... uh, James uh, 127 here actually says that a, a true religion before God is to care and visit the widows and orphans. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm chapter 82, verse 3. Actually, we have it up here for you. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Within the bounds of do not murder lie protecting those who are most vulnerable. Standing up for those who have the least ability to stand up and and look out for themselves. Specifically mentioned in Scripture are those who are foreigners, uh, those who are widowed, and those who are orphaned. However, there are many situations that we might run across where there is someone in a vulnerable position And the Lord's call to us within the bounds of the Ten Commandments is to do something awesome and loving and good in looking out for one another, especially those who need a a greater type of protection. That we are to be God's agents in their life, to guard them from those who would take advantage of them, and certainly not to join those who take advantage of them. Matthew chapter 25, verse 34-36. Jesus is speaking here. He says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Near to the heart of God is doing good to those who are in the most vulnerable positions in this world. The polar opposite of murder. Now you and I, before God, there are going to be ways as we wrestle with the Ten Commandments found in Exodus chapter 20 that we're going to find ourselves guilty before our Creator. In fact, apart from the forgiveness of Christ, we are going to find ourselves guilty of every single one of the Ten Commandments if we truly evaluate ourselves honestly. Now, it is not just that we can't obey um, most of them or even half of them. We, We can't even obey one of them let alone all of them, how will we ever stand before a righteous God 
with any kind of argument that says we ought to be able to enter into His kingdom, that we're deserving of eternal life. Romans says that every one of us will fall short of that. And what we truly deserve, according to Romans, is death. We deserve to bear the weight of God's wrath against our sin. Those committed with our hands, those committed with our mouth, and those committed in our heart. There are three things that I want to I want to share with you that were a big part of our VBS week. Three things that it was my prayer, and I think the prayer of all the staff, that would be ingrained in these kids to serve them well in the days to come. But they also serve every single one of us who recognize that we are guilty sinners before a righteous God. And that is one. We have something... uh, The Lord has given us a way of escape of His wrath. The first one is this. A. Admit to God that you're a sinner and repent. I think after the service you'll actually hear a song that recounts these. And I hope, like all good VBS songs, that it becomes like a a worm in your brain in a great way to remind you that your Lord seeks you and that you will find Him if you turn to Him in humility. So the first, these are the ABCs. A, admit to God that you're a sinner and repent. B, believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for your sins against Him. What an incredible Lord that we have. Not who would come down from heaven to earth to pay for the very sins of the people who committed those sins against Him. And C, confess your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord. And receive His forgiveness and His eternal life. Admit to God that you're a sinner and repent. Believe in Jesus as the Son of God and confess your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord and receive His forgiveness and eternal life. You know, God also promises one more thing. And when we do those things before Him in a humble and honest way, He also promises a helper. Because what He knows is that we will find it impossible to live this life and stay within the bounds of the Ten Commandments and truly live out loving God and loving others. And so He gives us a helper, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, for those who A, admit they're sinners and repent, and B, believe that He's the Son of God, and C, confess with their mouth that He is their Savior and Lord, that He will give them forgiveness, eternal life, and the promised presence of the Holy Spirit to help us through our journey of walking in step with our Lord who died for us. That anger that perhaps you hold on to today, that bitterness from hurts or offenses from previous days, the Lord has paid for yours and the sins of those whom you may be holding something against at the cross. And He tells you now, let go. The Lord made it clear, vengeance is mine. 
He will settle all accounts in the end. And we can rest in the knowledge that He is the true and perfect judge of which we are not. There is no impartiality in us whatsoever. He is the only one who can judge righteously. And so let Him take care of that. Father, as we come to You today, we acknowledge what a what an incredible gift You have given us in life. What an incredible gift You have given us at the cross to give us eternal life, forgiveness of sins, that the guilt and the shame, the fear, the anger that we have known through our sin, that we may be freed from that. Lord, I ask for those who now may be bound by such things as fear and shame and guilt and anger and bitterness and rage and all the things that come when sin takes control within us. Lord, we ask that You would set them free today by the power of Jesus Christ to give them life and freedom in You and forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and Your promised presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.